At Jiffy Lube, it's our job to keep you moving. With a full range of services from oil changes and tire rotations to filters, wipers, and more, we've got what your car needs right when you need it. So you're ready for whatever's next. Putting you in the driver's seat of car care? That's a job for Jiffy. This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Gerard Farrelly and you are very welcome to the show. I hope wherever you are listening to this, you are completely filled to the brim with Easter eggs. Uh, what an episode I have today. This guest is one of the OGs. She was on the first list of potential guests I ever made for this show and I'm so delighted that we finally got to do an episode. But first, before we start that, some admin. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe wherever you downloaded this and you won't miss an episode. Also, please make sure that you rate and review on iTunes. Now, if you haven't done that, your mother would be absolutely mortified. She raised you better than this. That is good podcasting etiquette. You get the show for free and that is how you give back. If you would like to give a little more, you can support the show by joining Headstuff Plus for as little as five euro a month. And in return, you get lots of bonus material from all the shows on the Headstuff Network. There's already plenty of fascinating bonus material up there and there will be some, of course, for this episode. There are some great shows on the Headstuff Network. My favourites are The Alison Spittle Show and Double Love, which is a podcast that goes through the Sweet Valley High series book by book. Also, there is another show called Fail Harder, which you might like. It has some absolutely fantastic guests and it's all about failure. Hello, I'm Emma Jane from Fail Harder, the podcast that chats to people at the top of their game about failure, from their first memory of failure to how they cope with it now. I have some unbelievable guests on the show like Paul Meskel, James Cavanagh, Georgina Campbell, the list just goes on. And of course, we'd be mad to take failure too seriously, so every week I have 20 questions in front of me numbered at random. Most are straightforward, however some are a little more unconventional, and in the spirit of failure, my guest can pick the numbers. They might not like the results, but life's not fair and neither is my podcast. This is a fascinated episode like no other. It's the same, but different. My guest today is Luciana Caparasso. Normally, this is where I would play Luciana's big hit, but this story is different because Luciana has had big hits at different times under different names, and you might love one version of Luciana and be completely unaware of the others. She is pop's greatest chameleon, a master of reinvention, hiding in plain sight, an expert undercover pop star. This is a story that has everything. A detective, an unlikely duo, a shooter, and a woman crying on the floor who later found herself at the bottom of a bathtub. This is the story of a woman who needed to scream. Let's start where stories like these always start, with the detective. It was early 1993 when ITV broadcast a feature-length pilot episode of a detective series called Anna Lee, based on a series of books written by crime author Liza Cody. The show worked, sort of. It had a mid-80s feel and the acting was a bit overcooked, but it gave it a homely feel rather than just being hammy. A series of these movies was commissioned for the following year, but the producers, as they always do, needed to make it younger. Around the same time, 18-year-old Luciana Caparasso had signed her first record deal to Chrysalis Records. She looked great, she sounded great, and her secret weapon was she could write her own stuff. It was decided that the campaign for her debut album would be centred around this series. Luciana would write the theme tune for the show with Anne Dudley from Art of Noise. The result was a stonking girl power anthem, Sister Sister. 
Tracks from Luciana's upcoming album were dropped into the series, some of them in their entirety. Luciana then appeared in the final episode. Tricky situation, you see. My niece Lucy's coming to stay. Oh, I didn't know you had a niece. It's up her name's Luciana, but we call her Lucy. She's my sister's girl. Anyway, Lucy's a singer and there's a record company interested in her down here, so she's coming to stay. She played a singer who performed a theme tune in a jazz club. Introducing a star tomorrow. A big welcome for Luciana. And then another track in its entirety in a scene in a recording studio. Oh, I'm pleased to meet you. Pleased to meet you too. Look, I want you to know I'm not the one who wants me to move into your flat. It should have been a huge platform, but it wasn't to be. Luciana's debut single wasn't released until two weeks after her episode of Anna Lee aired. A small hype sticker on the front of the CD of her debut single, Get It Up For Love, mentioned that the B-side was in fact the theme tune to the series, but this was far too late. And Get It Up For Love stalled at 55. Had the first single been the theme tune to the series and released the first week the show aired, things would almost certainly have been different. During the summer of 94, Luciana's second single, If You Want, was released. And on the B-side was a gutsy cover of Aretha Franklin's Think. The single only made it to 47 before it slipped away. In fact, it wasn't until October of that year that the record label finally decided to try and capitalise on the music used in the series. They released a double A side of One More River and What Goes Around, two songs that had appeared in the closing credits of episodes of Annalee. But by then, the heat around the series had died away and it only reached 67. And that was the end of Luciana Phase 1. The album was shelved and never released in the UK or Ireland. Some stock had already been sold out to Europe and Japan, so it did receive a limited release. The cruel twist of fate being that the songs from Anna Lee were never made available in the markets where they had been so hugely publicised. With a second series of Anna Lee, Luciana might have had another shot. Maybe they could have released a series soundtrack, like what happened with Fonda Shepherd and Ali McBeal. But that was a different time. Back in 1994, Liza Cody, the author of the Anna Lee books, was absolutely furious with the changes that producers had made to her characters and stories. To make matters worse, she had signed a contract giving the producers of the series the television rights to any future Anna Lee book that she wrote. Liza Cody resolved this matter quite simply. She never wrote another one. The detective was dead. With the Chrysalis deal gone, Luciana kept writing songs, hoping to place them with other artists while she decided what she wanted to do herself. At the time, bubblegum pop was raging through the UK. Ant and Deck were riding high in the charts as their characters PJ and Duncan from the children's TV series Biker Grove. Telstar Records decided to launch their own version with two other characters from the series. Actresses Donna Eyre and Janie Hoy were signed to an album deal as Crush. At the time, London Riot Girls Shampoo had crossed over into the pop charts and were selling a lot of records and making a lot of money and were huge in Japan. Crush were pitched as a glossy Newcastle alternative to Shampoo and were going to follow Shampoo's lead exactly. Their first single was Jellyhead, a Newcastle slang word for idiot. And despite a lot of press, it didn't break the top 40. In fact, Crush never set the charts alight in the UK and were considered a flop. The album Teenage Kicks barely got a release in Japan and the girls were dropped by Telstar and Parted. Then, in a weird turnaround in the last act, a Motivate mix of Jellyhead started to do really well in America. And Crush, the band that had absolutely flopped, were suddenly in big demand. Luciana was drafted in to replace Jamie Hoy, and Crush signed an American album deal. 
Luciana recorded some tracks and the album they had originally made was repackaged and released in America. Luciana toured with Donna Air and performed at colleges, festivals and even Lollapalooza. They released a follow-up single, Love's Hold, with Luciana on lead vocals, and after that, Crush faded away. After Crush's demise, Luciana stayed in America and was still signed to Crush's manager, Simon Harrison. She then signed a solo album deal with Sony. She rebranded herself as a band called Shooter, and another TV tie-in was on the cards, but this time it was with Dawson's Creek. It was now late 1998 and The Creek was at its peak. The shooter song Life's a Bitch was featured on the show and it was getting huge airplay and the video was playing on a loop on MTV. At last, Luciana was on course for a very big hit. This was what she had been waiting for. The shooter album was ready to go and it looked unstoppable. Until the 20th of April 1999, when 15 people died in what was then the worst school shooting in US history, at Columbine High School in Colorado. The US media was saturated in the story for months. The song was immediately dropped from everything. It was the wrong time to be in a band called Shooter. It was very much the wrong time to be selling a song with a chorus, Life's a Bitch and Then You Die. And it was the wrong time to have a video set in a school. With Shooter in Freefall, Sony rushed out promos for a new song, This Is Who I Am. The week after Columbine, the Dawson's Creek soundtrack was released internationally with Life's a Bitch on it. While the single release of the song was cancelled, this became a lifeline for the song and the Shooter album, And Your Point, which was released in 1999. It was a brilliant album, but America didn't have a place for a band called Shooter in post-Columbine 1999. This hit Luciana hard, and when the band were dropped, she went back to England and stepped away from music for a while. She channeled all her creativity into painting, and like she always does, Luciana got things done. She debuted her first collection of abstract art, Icon, in a showing at the Soho House Gallery. While still in London and deciding what to do next, Luciana had been hanging out in clubs like Trash and Nag Nag Nag, and began experimenting with a new Electro Clash sound. She released a white label of two tracks in this new sound, London Punk and Freaking In Stereo, under her new name, Portobello, a nod to her London Italian heritage. The new tracks were really well received in clubs and wheels began turning. And it wasn't long before Portobello were signed to Island Records and cast in a new MTV show, Breaking Point. The show was an antidote to the pop idol hype that had been sweeping the UK. Four bands were followed in the run-up to their singles being released. Portobello hit hard. Their first single, Covered in Punk, was released to rave reviews. Portobello were the new face of London Punk. They followed it with Viva La Difference and a five-track sampler for their album was promoed. Luciana finished the album and it was like Portobello had hit a brick wall. By now it was 2005 and Luciana had been working in the industry for 12 years. She had recorded four albums. Her debut album was cancelled and the Crush and Shooter records had been American releases and now the album with huge momentum and her hometown in its veins was pulled. She had been close so many times. Luciana was down but not out. While Portobello hadn't had a mainstream hit, they had serious credibility with other artists. And while she was very pissed off about the record not being released, she began to collaborate on club records. I can take you 
In 2006, she reluctantly wrote and recorded a top line for a Body Rocks track called Yeah Yeah, which exploded. The hype for the song pushed it out of the clubs and onto radio and into the UK Top 40, where it debuted at number two. She even received a nomination for Best Contemporary Song at the Ivor Novello Awards. She had taken the long way round, but Luciana had finally arrived. But the story was far from over. Luciana followed Yeah Yeah with massive hits like Bigger Than Big with Supermal, What Planet Are You On? She was riding high. The obvious move was to release an album, and as luck would have it, she had been working on yet another solo record. But at the very last minute, the label decided not to release it. But by now, Luciana had punk in her veins, and while she was clearly disheartened, a very defiant Luciana dropped the whole album on SoundCloud. She had poured her heart into a record and she wanted it to be heard. She then released the unreleased Portobello album Freakin' in Stereo that was sitting gathering dust in the vaults of Island Records. Then undertook the mammoth task of clearing all of the rights to all of the chart-topping collaborations that she'd had to be part of a release compilation called Featuring Luciana. While Luciana's success has continued to grow exponentially, Featuring Luciana was the last album she has actually released. Since then, she has had eight number one records on the Billboard dance charts. A collaboration with Luciana has become a guarantee of a monster hit. Her focus has shifted. She is now a hit-making gun for hire. The word reinvention is a tired trope in pop culture. Essentially now, it just means a woman who gets a new wardrobe. But Luciana has completely transformed herself so many times in ways that she may not have been able to do if she had become a huge star in 1993. But if you listen closely to the 19-year-old tackling Aretha Franklin's Think, the snarling of Life's a Bitch and the guts of Covered in Punk, you can clearly hear the build-up to the roar that she finally emitted with Yeah Yeah. Being a star doesn't matter to Luciana, but it's very clear that being a gutsy artist does. Even at the height of her current success, she released a dance track under the name Aisha Coco, which still went to number one. It was an acid test of sorts. Luciana doesn't have hits because of who she is. She has them because of what she does. Luciana Caparasso is now recognised as a formidable songwriting talent and writes for and with the biggest pop artists in the world. Massive household names like Kylie Minogue, Britney Spears, Cheryl Cole and Will I Am have all worked with Luciana. The list goes on and on. But there is certainly no collaboration that could compare to her reworking her own hit I'm Still Hot with a rap by Betty White from The Golden Girls. It would have been understandable for Luciana to have walked away from music after her first disappointment. It was ironic that her first label was called Chrysalis, as she has returned to a Chrysalis state many times, emerging unrecognisable. She has had many names, many looks, many sounds, renowned enough to impress and anonymous enough to reinvent. An undercover pop star, lurking, learning, preparing for the next strike. Living by the words that she wrote the very first time that we heard from her. This is Luciana. And she has often been copied, but never been equaled. The fabulous Luciana Caparasso, how are you? Listen, this is an intro in itself, and I feel like I'm going to take that intro and stick it above my bed. Yeah. <laughs> but you have, that's the thing. You've been, your your vibe has been copied so many times. Like, I remember when Paloma Faith came out. I was just like, what? <laughs> this is just 
funny because I, I knew her management and so I was supposed to write with her on um, on her album years ago when I lived in England, when I lived in London. And um, she's like crazy nuts, fabulous, isn't she? She's yeah. sort of like... <laughs> but yeah, she came out, she came out and then... Um, so what was her first song? She what was the first thing they had? Uh, oh, I can't remember. It was like if you want the truth or something. Oh no no no! If you want, do you want the truth or something beautiful? That's that was it. it. I actually thought that was a really really good title, and I thought the artwork was really good. I remember thinking the artwork was great. Yeah, yeah. it was really well produced. Like she, but when she, when she started, I just thought that that's what Luciana's been doing. What, Did what's you happening? Really think that's so funny. That's so funny. Do you know what I am? Um, the other day, like I still speak to. I'm moving forward now, but we'll just keep flitting back and forward because I've been yeah. here forever. So um, <laughs> the uh, the other day, uh, you know, I got that straw dress. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. The other day, I saw a drag queen making a straw. <laughs> she made <laughs> Lady for JJ made the straw dress. I'm like, you go, girl. She's just like you know sewing these. Um, so in these straws on, I'm like, well, that is a total nick. So I sent it to Jeffrey Bryant, who made it. And he was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's a total <laughs> It's nice. It's nice when it happens. It's fun. It's amazing. Because, you, like, you've been, like, I remember the first iteration of Luciana. Um, when I first, the first time I saw you, I, I remember where it was. And it was, there was a one-page ad in Smash Hits for... Oh, my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> it, it was for Get It Up For Love. So do you know me since then? Yeah, I absolutely okay, do. Okay, so I was, I was 18 when I got that record deal. I don't even, I was just about to turn 19. I don't even know how I got that record deal, but I was like in a soul band at the age of 15 and I was like, I really want to do this, really want to do this. And it was like a chance meeting. And then I got this album deal and I'm like, how did I get here? This is amazing. But yeah, and then the Get It Up For Love came out. And, <laughs> that and, was my first video. Oh my God. And literally... 20 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago, I found out that that song is a cover and I feel like my whole childhood was a lie. <laughs> that was Tata Vega. That was a Tata Vega track, yeah. She was amazing. But um, yeah, that was my first song and that was like really, when you look back on it, like how, like how I started to sing, you know, when I was like shouting and punking it all up and then I, how I was then. It's like when you're just, when you're 19, you're just sort of finding your voice, aren't you? You're finding out who you are and that's yeah. right. It was a lovely memory to have. Well, it's interesting because like you can see, you can see the progression. I mean, like that first album, I, what was great about that was that you, you had written so many of the songs on it and it was tied in with that yeah. TV show. My friend made an analogy, like if you're on a football field, somebody threw you the ball and you sort of like scored and you didn't even know what you was doing. <laughs> and that was my first album. Wow, so the yeah. Fact that, the fact that I even got put with Anne Dudley, The Art of Noise, and she was so giving and lovely to me, like, let me write. You know, like, you don't normally have that, who, who, someone who's so given, they would be a bit more controlling. I'm only 19 and, you know, and I'm, I'm coming up with ideas and blah, blah, blah. But it was such a lovely experience to work with her that um, I feel like when I listen to that album, I'm like, oh, that's, that's me becoming me. It's nice. It's nice to listen to. What do you think when you listen to it then? Oh my God. It, like it just, that album just takes me right back. And I do listen. Tell me what you were doing back then. I was probably, oh my God, I was in school. And I, but I do remember getting a present of um, the CD single. Oh, oh yes. I remember the histories of this. Hold on. Right, tell me the history. I had two singles. I like, I had the, the Get It Up For Love and I had uh, If You Want. Oh yeah, fabulous. That was a brilliant song. Um, that was a Oh, yeah. And then I remember, I think, was it Christmas time? Somebody gave me a present of One More River, the CD single. Oh, oh that's so lovely. <laughs> it was so nice. It was, it was like my best friend in school. And I, oh my God, I loved that song. It was just, it was, it was one of those like, this song speaks to my soul. This is just about One oh, More River to Cross. But what was interesting... Know, and you know what's really funny? You know what's really funny? The, um, the director... It's, and I've still got this. She gave me, at the end of the shoot, she it was such a beautiful video as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's gave, gorgeous. It's really gorgeous. She gave me, um, you know, like basically when they when they design a shoot, they give you um, artwork and they'll say, right, on this scene, we're going to do this, this scene. So one of the scenes was, don't give up, don't give in, just one more river to cross. And they did a beautiful piece of artwork of me in the clouds. Oh, and wow. then she framed it for me and I looked at it 
weirdly enough, a couple of days ago. And I thought, God, it, that is just always throughout life, isn't it? Even if you're having like trials and tribulations, that line, that chorus always comes back to, you know, yeah, don't worry. Yeah. I always think it's those simple songs and those simple. Always. Yeah, they're always, always the ones that stay with you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it was so great. Yeah, I love that track. And then found out through, do you remember that rag- magazine Record Collector? Yeah. Yeah, I found out through that magazine that you'd actually released an album. Oh, so then you got the album. Yeah, I think I paid. That, like, was, when it, that was when you could buy, go into a shop and buy an album. I couldn't get it because you couldn't get anything outside the top 10 in Ireland. Where in Ireland do you live? Uh, Dublin. Um, well, you couldn't get anything in Dublin? No, like our price, it was like you got the top top 10, maybe top 20. But even like stuff. Oh my God! Yeah, it was really <laughs> hard. So I, I think I ended up spending something ridiculous on a copy of One More River from Japan or somewhere. Oh, you are so lovely. Yeah. I just love that so much. <laughs> yeah, it cost, it cost me a fortune. But, and then, like, the album, it's so, like, it's so good. And I was hoping that some of those songs that were in Anna Lee, that series, were on the album, yeah. and they were. And I was like, the happiest 16-year-old in Yeah, the world. yeah. I mean, that's, that was the whole tie-in for the Chrysalis deal. Yeah. How did that happen? He didn't know what to do with me. This okay. is, like, the story of my life. Every record deal I've had, they don't know what to do with me. Okay. So, um, it's, it's true. So um, this sort of came about, the Anna Lee thing, the Anna Lee um, show came about, and then he was like, I'm going to tie it in with Anne Duddy and her. And so that's how that happened, basically. Okay. And he said, can you act? And I'm like, yeah, I can act, thinking not really. But, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, was, it wasn't it lovely to be, to be, like, if I think about it, I'm like, I'm 18. Yeah. I got a record deal, and now I'm in the show, and I've written lots of songs and the theme song yeah. for this and I'm like, this is pretty cool, isn't it? And then, fast forward two years when the deal didn't work, I was crying when I was 21, okay. thinking, my life's over. Oh, God. <laughs> you're 21, I'm like, oh, my love, my life's over. But you're, you're like, you're 21, and it's clearly not. <laughs> and, and also, like, even that song that you wrote for the theme tune, that was such a girl power anthem before oh, there was. were girl power anthems. Do you know what's really funny as well? Um, I said to my mum, mum, I've got to write this theme song. Um, with Anna Lee and she said well how's it goes I was going sister sister wait a minute now sister sister my mum was like um okay what about adding and my mum's not a songwriter but she like writes poetry she goes what about adding this part and I remember <laughs> I remember sitting on my bedroom floor with my mum she was sort of like helping me write some of the some of the um some of the words amazing <laughs> it's a nice memory to have in it <laughs> yeah that's lovely that's so nice i love it she's brilliant my mom okay the deal didn't work out like if you trace through the the career of luciana you get you turn some strange corners after that you, you <laughs> after that you ended up in crush with donna air yeah how did that happen I no idea how that happened um i went to have a meeting about i think i was supposed to be writing for crush Okay. Right. So I went there to write, and then the guy saw me, and he and the other girl had left. Irreconcilable differences. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, the drama, <laughs> the drama, all the drama of it. And then um, I, <laughs> I just sort of like happened to be there, and um, I got on really well with Donna, who's just so lovely, and she was having irreconcilable differences with the manager as well. <laughs> anyway, so um, so he just said, "Do you want to? Do you <laughs> do you want to go on tour with them?" And I'm like, "Do you know what? Yeah." And then so I went to record some tracks. And then all of a sudden I'm on tour. And it's really that simple. That's how it happened. It was so strange because Crush, they kind of had, they were kind of like Shampoo, who, oh my God, I love Shampoo. Yeah, do you remember them? Uh Uh-oh, we're in trouble. They were (laughs) unbelievable. And and Crush seemed like this, like a shampoo light sort of. It didn't really happen in the UK, but then they kind of exploded in America, bizarrely. Yeah, they got massive. And that's weird, isn't it? When I come to think of it, I'm like, who knew that I was going to be touring America and now... And now I'm here, living here. Because you don't think that. You think, God, I'd love to live here. Because it's yeah. so beautiful. It's so much horizon. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, my God. So the fact that... Can you hear that, by the way, when my thing keeps going off? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, no, um, you're grand, you're grand. You're grand, you're grand. I love your accent. <laughs> just a bit of Irish there for you. <laughs> I do, I love it. I just love it. I want to come to Dublin and I want you to get me drunk. Oh, my God, Luciana. Bring it Take on. Take me down to a little pub. Take me down to a little pub in the corner and get me drunk and feed me um, cheese and onion crisps and yeah. Guinness. We will yeah. Have, yeah, we will have Guinness and a snug. That's what we're going to do. Ch- a cheap date, cheap date. I love it. Okay, let's Fantastic. do it. Fantastic. Let's do it. And we'll sing Sister, Sister while we're waiting on the taxi. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> okay, let's do it. It's on. <laughs> so you started recording with Crush. And when did you realise that this was actually taken off then? Well, she was already, that, that crush was already happening, wasn't it? If I remember rightly. Yeah, but they, they, they had a kind of dip then in the UK, but then it all took off again in America. Yeah, I think that what happened is that one of those tracks, if I remember rightly, this is so long ago, one of the tracks got picked up by a sync agency for um, for an, an advert for a product. Ah, so I think, okay. what was the track again? What was the main track? Oh, Jellyhead. You're yeah, oh. I think that was, that was the track that was big over there. Oh, wow, yeah. So you went on tour with Jellyhead and... And yeah, it's so weird. And there, I remember there being so many people in the audience, and I'm thinking, I feel like I feel like I'm on someone else's ride here, but I'm going with it, and I'm loving it. Oh yeah, I was just so much fun. When you were in America, then you kind of got the bug. Then did you did you stay immediately, or no, did you come no, back to the UK? No, I came back to the UK, and then it's really weird because, like, when I look back on my career, like I had, I've had five major record deals, right? Wow. When I say that, I'm not going, look at me, I've had five major records. I'm, I'm just like, wow, that's pretty bloody amazing, actually. It is, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah. God, what time, girl? Patting myself on the back. <laughs> but, it, but what's really weird is that none of them happened. None of them, like, were really yeah. big. So yeah. I, had the, I had all the expectation of, like, yeah, I've got this really big record deal. And then, like, I was, like, in tears, like, a year and a half later because you have all these highs and lows and these expectations and blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking like, when I got to 29, I'd had my last record deal. It was my fifth record deal with Ireland. And this like, and I've got this album that no one's even heard of, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, wait a minute, why am I saying this? What's my reason here? Oh yeah, no, no, it's just- Oh, that was it, you were talking about America. Yeah. He was talking about America. Yeah, so, so my point is I came back to England and, um, and I didn't think I was gonna get into America, but, well, okay, so Shooter was my very big deal. That was the one that, well, that was like, I'm going to pay my mum and dad's mortgage off. I'm going to do this. I'm going to say that my whole purpose was to pay my mum and dad's mortgage off. That's what I wanted to do in my 20s. Oh, wow. Um, but I, I couldn't pay all of it, but I, I paid a bit towards it. And it was such a lovely feeling. And then amazing. that happened. Yeah, it was such a nice feeling. But that happened and then um, that was massive. And then it wasn't. I, I, I was going to get signed by 12 record companies. This was a really, really big deal. It was like the biggest thing that happened. And I'm like, my God, this is going to happen. I've got this amazing album. I've written this amazing album. And then the track was called Life's a Bitch and Then You Die. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I think they called it Life's a Bitch. Then the Joan, and it was going really big on Z100, all these, like, it was, it was going there. It was massive. Dawson's Creek. Then the video was shot in um, a school. Then the Dawson's Creek, sorry, then the um, um, shooting happened. Oh, shit, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then it was like, well, the kids and all that. Then the track, Life's a Bitch and Then You Die, went like a massive nosedive. And then that was it. And then I remember saying, because this is when I was like, you know, like when you're when you're in your sort of 20s, you're, like, you're a bit of a tortured artist. You're like, yeah, yeah. oh, my God, I'm so like in this. I'm like in it. What's and my I purpose? Like, yeah, yes. <laughs> Where am I going? What am I doing? Just one more river to cross. <laughs> Just one more river to cross is okay. And then um, I remember saying to the woman, because I like did all my own styling and stuff like that, and like trying to draw my own videos, because you know, like I was like an artist. And then um, I remember the woman said to me for the second song, because obviously that ha that hadn't happened. I was now sort of like you know not at the top of the pile, and I said to her, "Listen." <laughs> She was so nice. I said, I remember sitting on my kitchen floor crying to her, and she's in LA, in New York, and I'm in, in England, in Surrey, crying on the floor. And I was going, I remember saying, I feel like, I feel like you signed chocolate swirl and you're trying to make me vanilla. <laughs> and she said to me, listen, I got 56 artists here. I can easily put you to the bottom of the pile. And I was like, and in that moment, I thought, yeah, you're right. And then I thought, well, and that's life right there, isn't it? That's business. Yeah. Shut up, Looch. Shut oh my up. God. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. And then um and then that was that basically. Like the, the deal, do you know, it just sort of like fizzled out because they put so much money into this, you know, so much upfront that they sort of like were losing it. So that was Shit. that. And then they could, Yeah. And then and this is what happened. So then I got signed to up. So then I was crying again for another two years. Oh, God. Well, one thing, one thing that Shooter did, and you might not know this, right? Uh, Shooter 
there is something on the CD that you may not be aware of, and this was very cutting edge at the time. And that was Shooter was one of those CDs that if you put it into if you put it into your car stereo at the time, yeah. it would show the name of the track up on the screen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that, that was an iPod before it was an iPod. That was like, oh my God, I'm, that was really cutting edge. I love that. <laughs> you were on oh, top of the pile. <laughs> oh, right. That's taken me right back to the top of the pile. I love it. Yeah, 100%. Oh, okay, that's brilliant. That's so, funny. So then you got, after Shooter, then you got the deal with Ireland to, to do Portobello. Is that it? Well, no. So, so then, so let me just think about this. Hang on a minute. Okay, so now I'm crying on my kitchen floor. The deal, the, the deal, so now I'm 27. And I'm in a quarter-life crisis. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that was the thing? It was like, I'm 25. You don't understand. Do you remember that? Because you remember when you was 21 and you had all these dreams? You're like, right, by the time I'm 25, I'm going to do this, 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 and this is going to yeah. happen, and that. And then when you're 27 and you're like, hasn't quite worked out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you're like, I'm 25 and I'm not even married. <laughs> I'm not even married. <laughs> Isn't it weird how you put these expectations on yourself when you're young and you're like, right, this has to happen by then. And then you and then you just basically fuck yourself up by the expectations. So yeah. that's what I've learned to do. Just to do your work and, you know, don't expect. Just just do the work, plod along and do the work. But anyway, I'm digressing. I'm 27 crying on my kitchen floor. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> that's what I'm saying about the tumultuous 20s. It's like, oh, my God. And it, what I'm saying about living in the outcome like all you do in your 20s is I've got to have this by this time da, 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 da. so you're it's outcome driven and it's just all crap it's just all bollocks yeah. Yeah, take it, really it all away is. you're right yeah so um all right so now so let me go back 27 crying um then I'm 28 so now I'm starting to sort of like I've already started to do dance music with um full intention right oh, bearing cool. in mind I've out of shooter at 25 I'm lost I'm a bit like I am going to go and do the college circuit and I'm going to go and do like indie stuff okay and then but in the interim I've already started to do full intention stuff and I've already started to you know just appear on some dance tracks I don't know why but that's where I was at okay um then I had an opportunity but then I start to write with full intention and he and I come up with this concept, and Nick, because Nick is very much part of it. Nick Clow is my writing partner, cool. and he's oh, my yeah. manager. And he's and he's the guy who said to me, "Do you want to do college circuit, or do you want to go and do PA gigs?" And I'm like, "I feel like I want to do PA gigs, actually." So then I start to go to like nag, 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 and trash, and I start to go to these post-punk new wave clubs. Cool. And this whole new world has opened up to me. Now I'm like getting back into Blondie. I sort of like wasn't into Blondie because I was going into like my grunge phase. So now I went into blo- back into Blondie and back into this post-punk new wave feeling. So then we came up with this concept of post-punk new wave, Portobello. I come up with the name because I'm always, well, I was always at Portobello at the weekends. And that's how you say it. I'm going to Portobello. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally caught me. And then, um, so then we came up with this concept and then I'm like, okay, so then... The, then the artist comes back in of like, okay, how are we going to visually do this? And then, so then we make this album. The album's really fucking cool. I'm in love with it. I think it was oh, so it good. It was brilliant. brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant to the point where one of my friends, I was, one of my friends is a drummer and I was in the pit of some um, show. He was drumming in the pit okay. of a show. And someone said... And it was a rock show. And he goes, look at me, I'm covered in rock. And then I'm like, because I'm in the whole Portobello thing, I'm thinking, I changed it to like, oh, look at me, I'm covered in punk. And I'm like, fuck, I'm going to write a song called Covered in Punk. Oh, so now I've got this, right? Brilliant. So now I'm in this concept of getting covered in punk. And now I'm like, even now, here I am all these years later, going back into covered in punk with my art. I'm thinking it's like this whole 3D concept anyway i'm digressing again no what's great about your stuff is that you like you see the progression like if you like if you listen to all those stuff because i I had a little flick through some of the the older tracks today and you see you like from shooter to portobello you see what you are today starting to emerge and i love you you can stay (laughs) (laughs) but that um freaking and stereo album on itunes like and, and all of the other stuff that you recorded around that time like viva la difference and all that like that stuff oh my is god how brilliant so was that? Go- it was, oh, it was <gasps> brilliant oh my god it was brilliant okay so then this is what happened 
another fuck up from Ireland Records. So, you know, <laughs> another like, oh my God, I've got to deal with Ireland. And then you go to the meetings, you know, nobody ever gives it. They say there's no such thing, thing as a bad lunch. Well, a free lunch, sorry. There's no such thing as it. A hundred percent. But there is, that we'd get all these free lunches, but the point is nothing would happen from it. But then you'd go to the lunch, you'd get a bit drunk and it would all be fabulous and you have a great meeting. And then um, and then I don't really know what happens, you know, like life happens and then, you know, because nothing really happened with it. it the Covered in Punk um, got put on a show, didn't it? The whole concept of getting signed to Ireland was that it was something to do with MTV, if I remember rightly. Oh, wow, you I didn't know about that. Yeah, it was another show that they, where they were following me. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, so that got happened. That happened, and then and then the A and R man got fired, <laughs> right? So then, so then that happened. I mean, look, listen, my, this is all fuzzy because I'm 29 now. Um, <laughs> wait, so this is like this is this is just before I'm about to give up. When I'm then I got my so then I write another album. This is now my fifth album. Oh my Second God. signing to, to an A and R man who wasn't mine in the first place, but he got given. I was given him. So he tried to sort of like make it work. And then, and then, and then I said to Nick, this is when I'm 30 now. Okay. Okay. So it's now, uh, <laughs> now I'm like, I'm giving up. I'm stopping. It's making me unhappy. So, then, <laughs> so now I remember like feeling again, this is like, so this is, you think about this, it all looks very glamorous and it's all pretty fabulous. Cause I have had five deals, but I don't see this at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's only in retrospect. I'm like, oh my God, you had five deals. So at the time, I'm like, oh, it's making me too unhappy. Too many ups and downs. I can't deal with it. My poor heart. And I'm all like that. I'm like, okay. So then I'm sitting in the bath. Have you noticed there's all these moments where I'm sitting on the kitchen floor crying? <laughs> You're never standing up for them. You're never standing up for these meetings. <laughs> right. So now I'm in the bath and I'm now I'm 30, right? And I'm thinking, okay, if I just, if I let go, then I'll be all right. If I let go of all these expectations I have on myself, if I stopped, if I took away, if I physically took away the desire, then I would be free. So then I went, ah, oh, then I wrote on the, <laughs> so dramatic, I wrote in the steam, in the bath, on the tiles, I let go, right? So now I've written that. And then I remember sinking into the bath thinking, Ah, I let go. And that is exactly what I did when I was 30. I let go of everything and then I was happy. Okay, so now I'm 30, right? Yeah. Now I'm like, I'm going to go back into my, because I always wanted to go to art college. I wanted to go to Putney Art College when I was 18, but I didn't, I got a record deal. So so now I'm like, right, I'm going to get back into my art. I'm going to do it. Now I'm starting to eat a lot. I said to Nick, I'm going to eat. I'm going to be, I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> I'm not going to think about fitting into clothes. I'm just going to eat and, you know, eat cakes and sort of like do art. That sounds so, amazing. Right? I was eating donuts. I was doing all my art. And I, I did art. I did an art exhibition in Soho that sold out. Oh, amazing. Right? Yeah. Right? I was doing all these things. I was like, yeah. And then because I wasn't caring anymore, the, the track came in. Yeah, yeah, came in. Oh, no okay. way. Right, now I'm 30 and I'm free, right? Bearing in mind, I'm thinking, I've had all these record deals, but dreams don't, my dream hadn't really come true of like being able to, you know, have a successful song. Because I hadn't really had a, in my mind, I hadn't really had, you know, the, I hadn't been able to go and live it. Okay. Yeah. I'd had thought like these full starts. So then, um, so this track came in and, <laughs> and it was already big in IB for a year, okay? And Body Rocks, one half of Body Rocks was one half of Full Intention. So that's where that link came from. Ah, okay, it, cool. Yeah, so John Pern said, I want you on this track. I want you to write on this track. Now, we got the track and I said to Nick, oh, such a twat. I said to Nick, I don't get it. I don't understand <laughs> it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> because it was, like, it was like the first sound of electro. I'd never yeah, heard yeah. anything like it. I was like, what the fuck is this? I don't get it. I can't pitch to it. I can't sing to it. <laughs> Nick said, can I swear on this show? Yeah, totally. Nick said, shut your fucking mouth and go and write it. <laughs> 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 and that's what happened. So I went, oh, I'm such a twat. So I went into, um, I went into my room and I wrote this track. And basically it was me 
being angry at the record company, you at the record industry, you think you got it all worked out, but you don't know nothing, nothing, nothing. And it was about all the people who'd promised me all these things. And that was what it was about. But I pretended it was about a relationship because nobody wants to hear someone moaning. About right? their so five record deals. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at me. I didn't get my record. It's like, shut up. So, you know, it's not interesting. So it's more interesting for it to be about relationships. So, so I lied and I said it was about relationships. But anyway, 11 weeks later, it was in the charts, right? And it was number two. And it was number two to Fede Legrand. And we had this party. We're like, oh, my God, because it was either going to be number one or number two. I was just grateful and happy. And then I thought, oh, my God, my, my little dreams come true. And it's happened. I've had a national hit. And then after that, because I didn't care anymore I don't mean like I don't mean I don't care about my art I always care about the art of it I'm saying I I didn't have any expectations anymore so I wasn't changing the goalposts yeah yeah so everything from now on I I said to myself was going to be the icing on the cake I'm not going to go oh I'll be happy if that happens I'm not going to be outcome driven because I've done all that 20 so from the 30 to 40 I well actually 30 to 44 I toured 40 for 14 years on this track and then I continued to create all these other tracks. And then I like I feel like I'm waffling on now. No, I feel- it's amazing. <laughs> but it's like it's so amazing that you It's amazing. It's a lovely story, isn't it? Because it's like, oh my God, you got to tour and you got to tour the world and you got to write all these songs and then and then I like that happened. And I'll tell you about I like that in a minute, but I'll, I'll let you ask another but, question because I feel like I'm waffling. It, but it's, it must have been so fantastic to for it to happen that way because yeah it, because I was because I was older and because I was maybe like you know like when you look in retrospect maybe you would have been a bit of a twat when you're 20 and it happened maybe you would have been a two-dimensional person like well this was yeah, supposed yeah. to happen yeah but it didn't and that's what makes you three-dimensional human you know when you're crying on the kitchen floor and like Ugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> all these things are building up to be like three-dimensional and to have human experiences as opposed to, you know, being conceited and stuff. So so I really believe that because I was so grateful when, when it happened, I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. So I was just really happy to, to go on tour and to meet these people, to sing my songs. And when I look at it, I think, could all these people come to see me and they're singing back to me the, the songs I've written. I'm like, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky that it's happened and I'm very, I'm super grateful. And then the, the I like that happened because they'd heard yeah, yeah. And then Dennis White, who's just this super talent, heard yeah, yeah. And he said, I want you to write, I like that. I want you to, and he sent the track over and we were in England. And then Jeff, a dad, who manages the Pussycat Dolls, heard it, said, I want to manage you. And then we signed it to Interscope Records to Jimmy Iovine. And now all of a sudden, I'm like being sent over from Surrey to go and have a meeting with bloody Jimmy Ivey. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like nuts. It was totally nuts. Um, and then, yeah, and then I was, when I came here, I got a three-month visa and I'm like, Nick, we can't go back. We can't go back. <laughs> we got, we got to stay, you got to stay in America. Brilliant. So um, we, we, we just worked really hard to get a green card. You have to, yeah, I wrote for loads of artists. I wrote so much. I was signed to Sony as a writer. Oh, so, wow. Um, so that's how, that's how you got the green card to stay in America. Oh, that's, I would. that's how I got the green card, yeah. I mean, you, you have to prove you're an extraordinary alien. That's what they say. Oh, yeah. Why are we in a place like... So, so we just, I just worked so hard to, to stay here. At like massive, a massive folder of a body of work to say, I've worked with this person, I've written for this, I've done that. So the fact that I can write tracks is my saving grace to, to, to reason why I've had such longevity. And also... If I think about it, you know, I've never really been mainstream and I also think that's part of the longevity. Do you know what I mean? I've yeah. never like yes. this massive so I just and also I'm I'm look where I am now, I'm here in LA and I'm just like I'm living in a state of gratefulness that I even get to continue to create. You know what I mean? It is amazing create. because I think you're totally right. I think that at eighteen, I don't think I would have wanted to do anything that would have shaped the rest of my life because you're <laughs> like at eighteen, <laughs> you're just right. such a mess. So such a mess. And you're just acting as well. Like, you know, like when I see these girls now, I see these young girls. Oh my God, I sound like an old lady. I see these young girls in, in, in videos and they're doing what I did because what you're doing is you're copying and you're, you're putting your hand up to your face and you're doing a sexy look and then you're looking to the side and you're looking to the right. And you're doing, you're doing what you think you should do. 
because you don't really know what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> it's just, everything's just learned. Is it, you only come into yourself. I only came into myself when I shouted for the Yeah Yeah track. When I started to do the punk, when I started to do the Portobello album is when I came into myself. And I remember shouting at one, one of these tracks. And then I remember falling on the floor. I sound like I'm a really dramatic person, but I'm actually not. But I remember <laughs> shouting and shouting and then falling on the floor. And Nick went, that's what I'm after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like, but you hear that, you hear that on that Portobello album. Like, there's something, yeah. it's it's like fierce. There's a real energy yeah, to it. Like, like when you learn. It's funny, isn't it? When you become your, and they say in America, your authentic self. Okay. <laughs> when you become your authentic self. But it is actually true. When you become you is when you're really shining. And it's like when you're in your own sort of lane and, you know, you're not trying to be anything other than what you are. That's powerful. It really is. I do remember actually, speaking of being powerful, I remember there was a time, I remember reading a post of yours years ago, maybe 2009, and you, I think it was a deal that hadn't worked out, and then you just jumped. Which one? Which one? (laughs) One of the many, one of the many. But the... I think you're angry or something and then you just dumped the whole album online. Right, okay. The thing is, um, is that the one... Whoa. I think it was called All of Me. That's the one that I keep crying... That's the one that I cried about. Now, this is the album that I was so... This is when I was really upset with the industry. Like, I've just given everything to this. And and it's just life. It's just is what it is. It's like you're beholden to a whole chain of people. And it's not even necessarily anyone in particular, but if there's a link that's weak in the chain, then, you know, something's going to fuck up. And it's just, it's what it is. It's life. So when I finished that album, I said to Nick, I don't want to be signed anymore to anyone. I don't want a big record deal. Um, And this particular album, I still own. So I'm going to put that album out properly because it's such a good album. Yes. Um, Vinyl release, please. Oh, wouldn't that... Do you know what, darling? Listen to me. I'm I'm doing crypto art, right? Mm. And I'm also digitally releasing an album. So I said to Nick, I'm going to do that. I'm going to put that All of Me album up. Because that All of Me album is... Have you heard it then? Yeah, I've heard it. It was on SoundCloud, I think. And it, oh, my God. I Because de- I downloaded it. It's but wait, so did good. I take it down? Did I take it down yet? I'm sure I took it down. You're lucky to have it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, It's really, really good. Yeah, because I, I, I downloaded <laughs> it at the time. Because I remember thinking that you were a... like. On from the kind of Portobello sound, I remember thinking that you were kind of like a one-woman killers. Now listen to me. That se- that sentence makes me want to get you drunk in Dublin. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to take that. I'm going to put that above my bed. <laughs> really, really Happy to be there. Happy to be there. Yeah. Oh, it, it was so good. Like it, it was brilliant. Oh, it's so it, that album. I can't even express... That's when I felt really, really sad. That yeah. was the time I... That was the last point. And I said to Nick, I can't, I can't be beholden anymore to other people's um, agendas in the sense that, like, you're writing albums and you're hoping that it's going to happen because you think it's going to happen because you're on a major label. Yeah. So you think it's going to happen. But, you know, there are so many good albums and so many good artists that don't happen. And it just is what it is. It's like, instead of being angry, which I was before... Yeah. Oh, I can't believe this hasn't happened. You know, that's why I was like, oh my God, I've got to let it go. Because um, you just hold on too tight to this dream and then you can't let the fucking dream breathe. So you yeah. just got to let it go. So so that was the last time I thought I'm going to be... So what was really good about doing the dance music is that you only ever get single song assignments. So I said to Nick, get me one song so I don't have to be in that record company. I just okay. have one song and I can move around into any record company I want. That's the goal in life. <laughs> wow. Because go, that's what it's, single song assignments, they call them. Because yeah. <laughs> I think that you, I think it hurts more when you're right, though. Like when you're writing the stuff, like five albums of stuff, that's a lot of you going that's what to I'm that saying. That's a lot of expectation, isn't it? A lot of expectation. And, you, and all of it was good. So it's like, I just feel like what you're, what you're doing is expecting it to work because it's good. And sometimes, you know, life is just, it just is what it is, isn't it? All of your stuff has been, you've never had one of those albums. You know the way that you, sometimes you hear those albums that are, it's an album of three songs and everything else is just a bit, Ugh. Yeah. Without my album, like full on good, right? Yeah, they're, they're, like, they're, they're consistent right the way through. Like there's no track that you um, go, oh, that was an obvious B-side lovely. they threw I- in, like. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really appreciate what you just said because that means a lot because I put so much 
love and effort into all of that, you know? And then... I'm so, I I'm so glad you took it, took it back. Me, it took me, me too. And, and I tell you what, I, I feel like it took... I couldn't listen to it for, for, for years. I couldn't listen to the Shooter album. I couldn't listen to the All of Me album. It just made me feel really sad. And... um. Like, even when I think about it now, I can go back into the emotion of it. And it all it is is about expectation. So, like I said, it's like as soon as I... I think it's just a learning curve Get about getting older, isn't it? When you take that expectation and that outcome-driven desire away, then you're immediately free. And yeah. that's it. That's all I can say. So it's a learning curve. And all I know is that I've created some really beautiful pieces of art and that's all that matters, really, at the end of the day. It's all that matters. So, you know, just um, it's all about being um, a good person, essentially, I think. Yeah, well, I think what you've just said there, I mean, I think that is the that is the golden nugget that you, I think, throw back to the people coming behind you because I think that's a really, it's a great piece of yeah. advice. Like, I think your story is a really important one for anyone that oh, wants to do this. Like. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think also in this day and age, oh my God, I sound like my nan. <laughs> <laughs> an old lady in this day and age um in this day and age you're as an artist you they only sign 360 deals now that means that every any artist that goes to a, you know a, a major label label gives 50 percent of every of all of their earnings to that label that's that's um wow. um touring that's everything there never used to be like that so now it's like you know and and in music look you can download, look, do you remember when you'd go into a shop and you'd spend £12 on an album? Yeah, yeah. Well, look at all these albums you're just like releasing now on, on Spotify. This, it, you, the, the musician and the art, put, they put all, all the work into it and they don't even earn the money. So it's like, it's a dying... Oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, it's, a, it's like financially, it's like it, you, people have to adapt. You have to adapt. So this is why I'm like, okay, so... Thankfully now, I mean, I've done this massive exhibition. Where I am at now, I am working on an exhibition. I'm in LA, right? So okay. I've done, I do make myself laugh because I'm like, okay, well, people are asking you to go and do DJ gigs. So why don't you go and do that? So what I did was, I keep saying to myself, right, you've had five record deals. So, you, you know, you're really good. And then I say, there is nothing I cannot do. I could do anything I put on. I keep saying that. There is nothing I cannot do. There is nothing I cannot do. Someone says, do you want to go and do a DJ gig? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I used to DJ in London. Total lie. <laughs> Never DJed in my life. I've always been really scared of it because I'm not technical. I'm not a technical okay, yeah. person. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm yeah. going to learn to DJ. And I set myself a three-month learning. <laughs> how to, how to, I bought myself some decks. Amazing. And I learned how to DJ. And then the first gig I had was in Mexico to 10,000 people. You DJ'd? I went, yeah, yeah, I can DJ. Like shitting myself on a 10,000 people in front of... I'm like, what am I doing? But my point is that the mindset of I can do anything, that's what gets me. That's what I think has led me throughout all this whole thing. That's why I feel like I've had these deals. That's why I feel like I've done all this artwork. I'm like, now I'm like, right, Luch, you're going to set yourself a deadline. I'm totally deadline-driven. Like, yeah. I'm going to set myself a deadline, and now I'm going to do 12 abstracts and 12 pop-arts. And that's what I did. I set myself a six-month deadline. I made all the frames myself. Oh, right, amazing. My, right? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've got no clue what I'm doing. I don't know how to make a bloody frame, but I'm learning. So I get a nail gun, and I'm, I'm, I get all the tools. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, I've done it. I've learned about epoxy resin. I'm in this thing and I'm like, and I'm now selling, I've sold some pieces on Saatchi. Uh, right, this wow. is me now. This is where I'm at now. I'm like, and I just make myself laugh. I just make myself laugh because I'm like, oh, I just, I just think I'm really funny because I'm like, there is nothing I cannot do. There but is nothing I can do. <laughs> That's amazing. Right? So I say to you, anything that you feel like you're fear driven of, I want to do that, but I'm a bit scared. Fuck it. I mean, let me ask do you, it. I'm asking you, what are you scared of and what is it you want to do? Oh, God, scared of everything. I mean, I, I work as a comedian, so... Right, oh, my God, that's oh, that's the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> we are comedian. I've got my comedian friends here, and I'm like, how do you do it? How do you get on stage? And there is so much honing in on the on the, on the the jokes. It's like, yeah, oh, my God, yeah. tell me. Well, at the tell moment, it's like... It. Actually, yesterday was my anniversary. Like, the last tour show I did was the 8th of March, 2020. So it's just been like 
So, so wait uh, a minute. So eighth of March, twenty twenty, the last was the last gig you did. Yeah, because the pandemic, so it's, everything's cancelled. So how does that make you feel? Terrified. <laughs> I mean, the, <laughs> like, I, I'm supposed I'm supposed to go back to do. Um, I'll be supporting a big comedian on tour in the UK in. <gasps> oh my god. I think oh my god, that's amazing! Right, listen to August, me. I can maybe. see you. I can see you. So what I want, I want you to do is pat yourself on the back right now. <laughs> do it. Pat yourself on the back. See, this is what I'm saying in life. It's like these little victories. Like, yeah, that's brilliant. So yeah. you're you're doing that in August. Yeah, but sure, I haven't been on a stage in a year, so I'm just kind of like, oh. oh <laughs> but I, I did. I don't think support's poor. Like I toured with Joan Rivers. Oh, you, oh my goodness! Please tell me you've got a massive picture of you and Joan Rivers in your house. I, I, I do, somewhere. There's one up on top of the... Don't say somewhere, yeah. That's got to be, like, on the front door. What's <laughs> bloody amazing. Well done. Okay, I listen. Funny. Let me see, let me see. Ah, that's amazing! <laughs> listen, pat yourself on the back. Let me see it. Yeah! Woo! That's what? amazing, babe. But I forgot, I almost forgot to ask you, and I... My God. What? You worked with what? Betty Weiss. <gasps> okay, so you, you know my story about Betty White, don't you? The goddess. No, well, I only know that she, you wrote you wrote a track and then she came in to do a... Yeah, but a let me tell you the story. I'll tell you from the beginning, the story from the beginning, because it's really good. Now, obviously, I've got a really big, big gay audience of all my family, right? Now, I'm in this gay club and my my best friend is a bear. I'm in a bear club. Amazing. Which is we where love, I feel... We love a bear. <laughs> like every um, pride I've ever done across America We always go to the bear club afterwards Anyway, so I- I'm digressing again So uh, I'm in this club And the man, uh, there's loads of like guys with no tops on You know, just normal This is what happens Yeah, yeah So then my best friend David says Come and smell this man's armpits <laughs> Now listen, I am going <laughs> I am going somewhere with this It's all going to make sense to Betty White so I went, okay. So I got, I didn't even question it. I'm like, okay. So I went and smelled his armpits. I went, that's really pungent. It's good. That's a good smell. It was like six foot two, big muscle bear. Really lovely looking. He goes, I want to talk to you. I went, okay. Bearing in mind, I'm in, a, in America and this guy's from Bournemouth. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. so, so I'm talking to him and he said, I've got this idea. He said, I work for Lifeline Insurance, he said, and I've pitched nine ideas to Lifeline and eight ideas to Lifeline. And the ninth idea is this, Betty White and you, because you've got the track called I'm Still Hot, Betty White and you, and she's singing, no matter what happens, I've still got Lifeline and I'm still hot. And I want you to write, co-write the track, you know, rewrite the track with her. That's a brilliant idea. Now let me smell your armpits again, right? (laughs) So then, um, so then that was that, right? That's weird. That's a weird thing that you don't think's gonna come off. Yeah, anyway, yeah. the guy comes back to LA. Me and David. I'm with David my whole time. I'm in love with him. He's my he's my best friend. He does my hair. He, he when we toured America, he lived America. He came on my visa and we we toured America together. We went all to the get to the clubs. It was brilliant. Anyway, I'm oh, digressing again. So we go back and then all of a sudden now this is happening, right? And I'm I'm thinking, fuck. Betty White's got to come to my house to come into my studio to work with Nick to record her vocals. Oh, my God. And I'm thinking, fucking hell, this is really weird. So now I'm like, okay, so there's, so this is what happens. They're like, be cool, just be cool, because Betty White's coming, be cool. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll be cool, I'll be cool. Betty White, Betty White. So she walks in. We're all standing in a line like she's the queen. <laughs> so then I come out of the line because I'm embarrassed. I go all weird. I'm embarrassed. I went, oh, Betty! I said, do you want a cup of tea? And she goes, like, exactly like that, like a weirdo. Oh, Betty, do you want a cup of tea? She goes, no, thank you, dear. I said, do you want a sandwich or anything? Do you want me to make you a sandwich? She said, no, thank you, dear. I said, do you want a shot of vodka? She went, I've had that already. So I'm like, oh, my God, she's fucking fabulous. So then, so then she goes into the studio with Nick. And then she goes, she's, she's all out of time because, you know, she's like 85 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she goes, because it goes, I hooked up with the lifeline. I've got big cash in no time. Da, 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 da. I'm still hot, but she's going, 
I hooked up with the lifeline. I've got big cash in no time. And Nick's like, can you speed it up? Anyway, so we're in there doing that. And she can't do it. So then we have to like cut and edit all her, all her vocals together. Anyway, next thing I know, there's this like massive video that's happening. <laughs> all these like beautiful men in like, you know, the gold... Um, uh, you remember it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gold and I'm like with Betty White in the back of a limousine eating cheesecake. And I'm like... Wow, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This is like another moment of, oh my, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. You've got Betty White to rap. I mean, that. Like... Oh my God, it's so funny. And do you know what? They're, uh, just so you know, they're re releasing um, I'm Still Hot with the, a Black Caviar remix, which is really cool, and, an, and a Dave All Day remix. That's going to come out soon. Oh, amazing. Oh, they... listen. Another you, thing. Oh, the stuff you did with Dave, I, did the, um, I love the, uh, the Ishikoko stuff you did as well. That was brilliant. Oh, okay. Okay, so the Ishikoko, let me tell you where that happened. So that was the first time I'd moved over here and he said to me, listen, he goes, well, why, don't, why aren't we using your name? I said, well, because my, because I'm sort of like doing, you know, shouting, punky, and I said, nobody wants to hear me going, I gotta figure it out. It's like, it's a totally different vibe. I said, I'll tell you what, We'll call it Aisha Coco, which is a London saying for I should Coco, which means I should think so. I should Coco. I said, so let's let's call myself Aisha Coco. Right? Fun, in it? Just a bit of fun. Anyway, that went to number one. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like... That's a lot of fun. That is a lot of fun. Oh, my God. When, I look, when I'm talking to you, darling, I realise how much stuff I've done and it's quite crazy. Listen, it's been absolutely amazing talking to you. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. I, listen, I, I've had such a... An amazing time talking to you, and I think you're absolutely wonderful. And and I would love to see you perform your show. I'd love to see that. Yes. Yeah. We'll make that happen. That was the fantastic Luciana Caparasso and you can follow her on social media. I've put all of her links in the info for this episode. And I really do hope she releases those albums that got shelled because they are so, so great. Uh, and a note for subscribers to Headstuff Plus, there is bonus material with Luciana up on headstuffpodcast.com. Now, I want to tell you about the release of a new song by Anne-Marie Cullen. She is an incredible Irish singer-songwriter who has done loads of amazing things and we're going to talk about those uh, on a future episode. But for now, check out her brand new single What I Once Meant to You It's available to pre-order on Spotify and iTunes and it'll be out on April the 13th. You might remember her if you were at the Fascinated Live event at the last Dublin Podcast Festival back when we could all be in the room together. Uh, she performed with Naomi Coleman and she was absolutely brilliant and I cannot wait to do another one of those. That will be, oh God, imagine gigs. Oh, it'll be so much fun. Uh, Amory's stuff is absolutely brilliant so do check her out. There will be a new episode the first Monday of May and it's a great one. Thank you so much for listening. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Free Kids Workshops are back in stores at The Home Depot. On the first Saturday of every month from 9am to 12pm, bring your little ones to a local Home Depot for a hands-on learning experience that kids love. Find more kid-friendly projects and kids' workshop kits at homedepot.com kids. For 25 years, The Home Depot has been building confident future doers with its free kids' workshops. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Lost by last, U.S. only.